The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. From Bloomberg News and iHeartRadio, it's The Big Take. I'm Wes Kosova. Today, we go out in the city looking for rats. The number of rat-related complaints in American cities has spiked in recent years which will come as no surprise to anyone who's taken an evening stroll in New York or Chicago or here where I live, Washington, D.C. They are fearless and they're all over the place, which made us wonder, are there more rats now than there were before? Like, did the pandemic cause a rat baby boom? Cities have tried and failed for decades to control rat populations without much luck. So what can be done to get rid of them? Fortunately, my intrepid colleagues here at the Big Take Podcast set out to answer those questions. Producers Catherine Fink in Washington and Rebecca Chasson and Sam Gebauer in New York are here to tell us what they found. Catherine, Rebecca, Sam, nice to have you on this side of the microphone. Oh, thank you for having us, Wes. Wouldn't be anywhere else. It's going to be fun. Rebecca, to start, let me ask you. Most people I know, me included don't exactly love rats. No one is happy to cross paths with one of them on the street. But for the most part, they keep to themselves. Why do we need to get rid of them? This is one of the big questions that I set out to answer. So I asked rodentologist Dr. Bobby Corrigan to break it down. Here's what he told me. They, they live in dirty areas. So, you know, when an animal forages in and around all this trash we're talking about, we know when trash goes bad, right, and gets rotten, right? We don't eat it because we worry about getting sick. So decaying food attracts various bacteria and viruses that can hurt us and even in some cases kill us. If you get on cdc.gov and you put in rats, you will see that rats are listed as being associated with about 55 different diseases. So disease is the second thing. The third thing that's often overlooked is rats get in, we look at all these buildings around us. Well, I can guarantee you, we're looking at about, one, two, three, four, two, about eight fairly old apartment buildings right across the street here. Rats have been in those ceilings and they will make their burrow instead of the earth, their burrows will be in between each floor. So it's back to, they were chewing on twigs and stems and all kinds of branches. That's their natural life, even before there were cities. So when a rat is in a ceiling living close to someone and you're in a, the ceiling has electrical wires, so you, you can see the issue. So they start chewing on electrical wires and the electrical wire sparks and literally they can burn a house down and have burned houses down. You'll be hearing a lot more from Dr. Corrigan later on. Okay, so now that we've established that, Catherine, you actually went to see for yourself 
exactly how our fine city, Washington, D.C., is trying to control the rat population. And to be honest, I'm a little squeamish to find out the answer. Uh, maybe for good reason, Wes. That question led me to the Brightwood neighborhood in northwest D.C. So you the crew? I'm the crew. It's just me. You have a much bigger crew than I do. <laughs> scared of rats? I'm not scared of rats. Am I about okay. to see a lot of rats? Yeah. Probably. Yeah? You're going to probably see them run. Okay. We might need to give you a shovel then so you can oh, do yeah? some work. As long as I can do it with one hand, I'm, I'm willing. <laughs> this is... This would be a perfect place for me to bring people that if they want to smell rat. I wish I could bottle it up and sell it. <laughs> what What do rats smell like to you? Take a run. Okay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, that's bad. That's not good. You might need to get a shovel, Catherine. Okay, how did this little meetup come about? Okay, I cannot emphasize this enough that I had no idea what I was walking into. So I reached out to DC's rodent and vector control team. You heard some of the folks there in the clip. Uh, they're part of the Department of Health. And basically, they gave me an address, and I went. That is all I knew going in. So that smell I referenced was coming from this big shed that was full of garbage cans in front of an apartment complex. And the rodent control team told me that this is a rat hotspot. They estimate that over 20 rat burrows are underground there. And just for context, a burrow is at least a dozen rats. Um, and one to two burrows is pretty typical in a residential yard. So that kind of gives you a sense of just how bad the problem was. So about 240 rats. The team comes to treat the site about every two weeks. So how many people are part of this team that's doing this treatment? When I got there, there were about seven guys or so. They all had shovels in hand. I had no idea what the shovels were for or what I was about to see. And then they turned on the machine. Ready to fly it up? Let me get in the war zone. So we've got this green contraption. It sort of looks like a, a lawnmower, I guess. It's a... Uh, currently pumping chemicals underground uh, where the rats are burrowing. So occasionally we're seeing some pop out of the holes. Oh. Oh. Uh, that was the sound of a shovel smacking the concrete as uh, the team attempts to kill an escaped rat. Unclear if they actually got him or not. This is not for the faint of heart. Okay, that was way worse than I was expecting, Catherine. So we heard a lot of sounds in there. We heard the sound of the machine. We definitely heard the sound of that shovel smacking something. But describe what they were doing. How were they trying to get rid of all those rats that were underground? After they turned the machines off, I learned that the team was basically pumping carbon monoxide into the ground, which suffocates the rats en masse almost immediately. Some of them scurried out of the ground and were chased with shovels. That's what you heard there. And the team did this treatment a few times on both sides of the street. I asked Gerard Brown, who's the program manager for the D.C. Rodent and Vector Control Team, all about this. And he told me there's really no way to know how many rats they exterminated. So we have that estimate, 20 or so burrows. 
But because the ground is their final resting place, the city is basically left with a rat graveyard and they don't really know what's under there. That all sounds pretty terrible for you. Like, how many times a day does this team have to pump carbon monoxide into the ground and slap rats over the head with shovels? The short answer is many times a day, but I'm going to let Gerard Brown answer that question. So the inspectors, their performance goes 12 complaints a day. 12. And then when they finish their 12, if then they go to hot spots, something like this, where they've been working on, you know. So the complaints been going up. Yeah, I read somewhere that um, last year the complaints had doubled or even more than doubled since 2018. I'm curious, are there more rats? Have they migrated? Maybe, it, you know, because of this phase of the pandemic. So the, the uptick, I believe, becomes from a few things. You know, um, the mild winners for the last decade, the more people, over 700,000 people in D.C. that live here, and then the visitors coming and going. And then you have food establishments, 25% of new food establishments within the last two years. You know, and then the pandemic hit. And people work from home. When they work from home, they generate more trash. People don't use the garbage bags like they should. You know, those containers that the food comes in, they throw them in the trash without washing them out. Yeah, garbage and sanitation is going to be a major theme in this episode. Definitely more on that later. So as far as rat control goes, there's carbon monoxide. And I asked Brown what other techniques the team uses to keep the rat population under control. He told me they also use what's called tracking powder. Basically, they shoot it in a hole in the ground and it gets on the rat's fur. And when the rats groom themselves, they ingest the powder and die. So still pretty grim. But there are also less conventional methods on the table that don't always entail killing rats. For example, contraception. So back in 2019, the D.C. team piloted rat birth control. I also wanted to ask Brown about something I'd read about that was happening in Chicago, using feral cats to fight the rats. We're not planning on using cats, but it's, it's a company that has dogs. You know, um, mostly terriers, but um, we get pushback. You know, people don't want dogs killing rats, <laughs> so um, we're not going to do that. Got it. I wish we could. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll go buy a whole bunch of them. Yeah, I'm on leases. Catherine, listening to all of this, it seems like cities are just not up to the job. Like, the rats are going to win. How did all of this end? How did you leave it? I thank the team for letting me pry during a very routine part of their day. We took a photo together. Then Brown asked me for my address. I told him, and he knew my exact block well, in large part because it is such a hospitable area for rats. He said that he's going to bring the team by sometime to help get this problem under control. So that was pretty exciting. But I think ultimately... What I took away from this experience, besides just how visceral it was, was just the serious limitations of these methods of rat control and how a city like D.C. can get ahead of the problem. Catherine, Rebecca, and Sam assure me that by the end of this episode, they will actually reveal how cities can get control of rats. We'll start talking about that after the break. 
The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. All right, Rebecca, you've answered my question. Why do we have to get rid of rats? Catherine told us they're really hard to get rid of. What do we do? Yeah, so I've never had any particular fondness for rats out in their natural urban habitat. But through the reporting process on this story, I realized that I actually have no idea what the answer is to that question. So I reached out to somebody I knew could help me out, Dr. Bobby Corrigan. This man has a Ph.D. in urban rodentology from Purdue. He consults with U.S. cities on their pest problems, and basically any question you have about rats, he can answer it. He answered all of my questions ever so patiently, all while we were taking what he called a rat walkabout around the city. Oh, see over here. There's one right there. Just scurried underneath the, the rolly bin, and there he goes down that ramp. Yeah. This was a little unexpected because around this time, it was about 10.30 in the morning. And according to Dr. Corrigan, that is long after a rat's general bedtime. I usually say two hours past dusk is your rat, rat o'clock. It didn't seem like all that big a threat just to see one rat hanging out on this plastic dumpster. But behind us was a trash can with an ad that said the opposite. Says a little litter can can lead to big problems. Then there's a silhouette of a big, scary, we got to make rats scary, you know, it's Hollywood. They love to make rats scary. Some great scientists out in Vancouver, they published a paper in 2019 showing that when rats get close to us and live in our quarters, psychologically, it really whacks us out. We can't deal with it. We feel attacked. We feel invaded and so forth. So we cannot have our serenity in our own nest that we depend on and you see a rat scurry across your living room floor when you sit down to relax or in your kitchen when you get up at night to get a snack or something, a rat goes across the kitchen sink, you're not going back to sleep. Dr. Corrigan told me to figure out how to get rid of the rats, you've got to figure out what makes them tick. When I was a kid, I loved Sherlock Holmes. So I think that's why I'm a rodentologist is it's always Sherlock Holmes. And so when I walk about in parks, I usually typically want to see where their burrows are. It's a little bit like, I like to trout fish with fly fishing and it's, you learn how to read the stream. So there won't be burrows any old place in the park. There'll be burrows specifically in some areas in the park and that's what we're gonna look, up, look gotcha. for. Now one of the things I'm, I'm gonna be visually searching for, you know, is um, to see anything heavy like ornamental rocks that we may plant or naturally occurring rocks. So here, right here we have a very large rock. You'll notice this big mound of soil here with all uh, the gravelly look to it. That tells you that's the main entrance. So rats have a nest that is typically six feet long and has three doors. One is the main door and two are what we call escape holes, you know, or we could think of them like we have side doors and back doors to our own homes. But this is classic. 
there's another factor here, as I keep stressing, and that is even though that would make good for a good apartment complex, the question is, is it in fairly close proximity to getting out of the house, getting to their food quickly, and getting back to their house safely? Because we have a major thoroughfare right out on the street here, and you'll notice restaurants, right? So from here, even you know, along the street, in any direction, is within the home range of these rats easily. Research has shown, good research, recent research, has shown, you know, a city rat, it can start at 90 feet in any direction for the short end of the home range and go all the way up to 490, 500 feet in, in any direction. So these rats are gonna benefit probably from the bounty of what that, that busy street with the restaurants offers. From there, Dr. Corrigan and I left the park and we kept on trucking and our walkabout continued down one of the side streets nearby. So in the park, you were looking for hard surfaces that they could burrow under. Now we're walking on sidewalk and there's asphalt streets to the left. What are you looking for here? What I'm looking for here is as sidewalks, as was mentioned earlier, as they get older themselves, we will see the old sidewalk is deteriorating. Right? And yeah, the so the corner's kind of falling apart. There's yes. chunks missing. You know, for me, every time I see any kind of a shadow or a crack, you know, when I walk with my wife, sometimes we're going someplace fun for dinner or something, and she can tell, she can tell, like, okay, you're looking for rats. You know, we're going to have a good time, right? I'm like, you bet, we're going to have a great time. So, you know, it's hard to shut it off. Sometimes, I guess, is my point. You know, but that's. I don't know, the world of a rodentologist, it's, how can you shut it off? So, <laughs> you know, here we have this, you know, cobblestone, and it's very active. Yeah. You know, we can see. Yeah. Thank you. Here he said, it's a home for rats. You must live here. So, so it's very, you know, it's in our face all the time, all the time. In a city that's getting older, there are holes and harbors for rats all over the place. After maybe 20 minutes with Dr. Corrigan, I couldn't stop myself from interrupting him every couple minutes or so. What's that? What about that one? These little holes and cracks in the sidewalk. I just couldn't stop seeing them. But he told me that there are some simple telltale signs to tell the difference between a hole and a home. So that's a hole and it's very active. And the, the reason you would know as a rat detective kind of thing that it's very active as when rats travel, one is they lose hair, but two is their, their coats are always dirty and greasy. Um, and, and they don't have shampoo. So as they come and go, you will notice right here. A grease stain. There is this little oblong hole right on the edge of the sidewalk, and it has this kind of dark brownish, grayish, vaguely shiny, but too dirty to be called shiny splotch just to the right of it. And that's how he knew that this was a rat port of entry, the grease stain. Disgusting, illuminating. Rebecca, you told me about this recently, and I saw the photo you took. And I have to say, it really changed things for me. I've told everyone, my parents, my roommates, I am always on the lookout for that grease stain now. 
yeah, it's now a regular part of my nightly walks is to look for these grease stains. I, however, am going to do everything I can not to see any grease stains. Well, for anyone who's also looking for other signs, maybe there's not a grease stain, but you still feel convinced that there's a rat neath that sidewalk. Dr. Corrigan told me that's another telltale sign. As the rats tunnel, they leave the sidewalk without support underneath. They dig out all the dirt, and so then there's just empty space, and that can't hold up the heavy sidewalk. So it just cracks under the weight. Rebecca, this leads to one of the other big questions I had, which is, in a city like New York, just how many rats are there under the streets? Wes, I'm going to do you the favor that Dr. Corrigan did for me. I'm going to let you down easy. Nobody knows. Is there a method to quantify the number of rats in a city? The answer is no. There's a lot of tunnels below our feet. And they go every single which way. And they're piled on top of each other in this kind of thing. They're tunnel-shaped mammals. And so when we built our cities around the world, all our cities are like this. And it's not that the rats are living inside the pipes. But when we put in a pipe, we have to create a space for that. No, I'm sorry. That is not an acceptable answer in a podcast episode dedicated to getting rid of rats in cities. So I'm going to need at least a ballpark figure. This is the best we can do for you. A study from 2014 published in the Journal of the Royal Statistical Society estimates that there are about 2 million rats in New York City. And I have to say, this study from 2014 has gotten a lot of play. If you Google facts and figures about how many rats are in America's big cities, this is all you are going to get. I asked Gerard Brown in D.C. the same question. Here's what he told me. There's no way you can know how many rats in that area, you know. Um, so we just measure the complaints. But we know it's an increase in complaints, so it's an increase in rats. Right. That's basically what Dr. Corrigan was telling me. There's no way to know how many rats there are because there's no way to know where all the rats are. There's just too many places they could be. So the amazing thing about the rat and its space is if, if the skull can fit through, the rest of the body can do the limbo. So all you need is a half inch height for a skull, 12 millimeters. One basketball space can harbor an entire family of rats because they like to hugger-mugger together and they all get really close. And inside the basketball, they're like, this is a great apartment, right? They can do that. They're true New Yorkers. Yeah, <laughs> true. They are. They're true New Yorkers and true, you know, every place. After the break, rats hate this one simple fix. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. So, all over the world, you know, um, in my contacts and my travels for cities I do surveys in, rat populations are up globally. We're not sure why, but, you know, the scientists, we get together and we, we think along these lines. Global warming, the winters are less severe, 
repeatedly for the past decade. We've had the warmest decade in old history. That's one thing. Two is human populations are increasing. More humans, more trash, more protein. Cities are getting older. Whatever city you want to pick, they're getting older. As the city gets older, the infrastructures keep deteriorating. That's why I pointed out the patches here. So as buildings deteriorate, the foundations deteriorate, the sewers deteriorate, infrastructure deteriorates, we create more inaccessible harborages for an animal that only needs 12 millimeters. At this point in the walkabout, I was kind of starting to get it, why killing the ones that we can find just doesn't quite cut it as far as controlling the population. Dr. Corrigan told me an example of a better solution was in a pretty surprising place, the pandemic. You know, the city was shut down. All the cities of Philadelphia was shut down. All the East Coast cities, the West Coast, all the cities shut down for a couple of months. We were like, no restaurants. The rats themselves were stressed. So when they used to come out at night in any city and, and try to get food in what used to be every night the dumpster had food. Well, no more dumpster. They need food just like we need food. So I was doing surveys right after the pandemic shut down. I saw rats going at each other. I saw rats attacking each other. I saw colonies completely leave the area for parts unknown, probably residential trash, quite frankly. But after that, we hurt their numbers. We don't know by how many, probably uh, hundreds of thousands, maybe millions of rats succumbed during that period also. Gerard Brown in D.C. told me earlier that COVID led to a huge surge in residential trash because so many people were working from home. So in D.C. at least, in those early days, neighborhood rats had a field day. But I guess the bottom line here is that there's a direct link between the amount of garbage in an area and the size of the rat population. Rats cannot thrive without nearby trash. Remember how we said they only travel a few hundred feet? That means in a place like New York City, rats who'd made restaurant leftovers their food staple were down on their luck in 2020. Yeah, and rat populations here in New York actually fell to historic lows during lockdown. But as the city came back, so did the rat population, big time. Rebecca and I got a chance to speak to New York City Sanitation Commissioner Jessica Tisch. She told us that budget cuts to the department early in the pandemic made a city already famous for filth even dirtier, which made a perfect breeding ground for rat resurgence. I think most New Yorkers noticed that the city got meaningfully dirtier, and we are intent on cleaning it up. One of the reasons the city got dirtier during the pandemic, to my mind, is at the very beginning of it, the cleanliness function was completely defunded from the Department of Sanitation. And those are our basic bread and butter services. So things like clearing out the litter baskets so that they don't overflow on street corners, sweeping the streets so that our curb lines aren't riddled with litter, cleaning the highway on and off ramps. Those basic things were completely cut at the beginning of the pandemic in March or April of 2020. And Mayor Adams not only restored them, but funded them at the highest levels that New York City has ever seen. And Mayor Eric Adams famously hates rats. Everyone that knows me, they know one thing, I hate rats. I hate rats. I'm terrified of rats. 
So much so that New York is actually hiring a rat czar to take charge of all things rodent control related. The job posting's asking for someone, and I quote, somewhat bloodthirsty, who's able to burrow into the depths of city government to get the job done. Commissioner Tisch says that managing our waste equals managing the rat population. And New York produces a lot of trash. To give you some context, keep in mind that every day, New Yorkers put out 24 million pounds of trash and recycling on our curbs. That's every day? Every single day. That is 24 million pounds that sits on our curbs for 14 hours a day. It's a lot. But that's about to change. A new policy that starts in April is really going to cut down on the amount of time those bags sit out. And the rats? They are not going to be happy about it. We know that one-third of all material in the black bags is organic waste. It's food. And so you can see how shrinking the amount of time that those black bags sit on the curb will actually make quite a meaningful difference in how the city looks and feels. To say nothing of the fact that the black bags right now serve as the all-you-can-eat buffet for rats. It's like the all-night, all-you-can-eat buffet for rats. And so one of the goals of shrinking the amount of time that the bags spend on the curb is shutting down that all-night, all-you-can-eat rat buffet, or at least dramatically limiting its hours. So here in D.C., the impact of garbage and garbage collection is definitely on people's minds. But we haven't seen a change like the one in New York yet. There are plenty of residents, though, who want to get ahead of this problem by changing up the way we handle our trash, like Kim Patterson, who is the Advisory Neighborhood Commissioner for Brightwood. She was one of a bunch of community members who came by while the rodent control team serviced the block. It's getting worse. There's garbage. You can see that the garbage bins are not secured. Um, The owner pays the fines and still doesn't secure the cans. The residents are terrified to throw their trash there. They open the door, there's rats. Our trash cans are plastic. The rodents eat through them. Just give us a new can. We have all these rules. There's a hole in the can that the homeowner did not cause. It was the rat. Also, the trash cans that are public, they are open. There's no lid. Let's get some type of control where the trash can be enclosed so the rats don't fest and feast every night. Yeah. Poison's all well and good as an immediate solution. If you've got a problem, you've got to handle it. But controlling the rat's food supply, a.k.a. the trash supply, can cut their population down at the source. The only problem with that, it requires a serious amount of buy-in from all of us. If you give the rat one bad property out of 10 beautiful properties, that one bad property will feed the entire block of rats, just that one property. The whole block goes down based on one bad neighbor. It takes everybody, to be honest with you, and most people do not want to be involved in rat control duties when they get up every day. It's the last thing on their radar screen, you know, and there's the weakness. Nobody gets up and says, gee, I wonder if I should do a rat survey in my own property and cut it off at the pass. Everyone says, gee, I have rats. They pick up the phone, pick up the yellow pages, so to speak, and call somebody to put out some poison. Thanks to Catherine, Rebecca, and Sam. And thanks to you for listening to us here at The Big Take. It's a daily podcast from Bloomberg and iHeartRadio. For more shows from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app. 
Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen. And we'd love to hear from you. Email us questions or comments to bigtake at bloomberg.net. The supervising producer of The Big Take is Vicki Vergolina. Our senior producer is Katherine Fink. Our producer is Rebecca Chasson, and our associate producer is Sam Gebauer. Raphael Amsili is our engineer. Our original music was composed by Leo Sidrin. I'm Wes Kosova. We'll be back on Monday with another Big Take. Have a great weekend. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com.